Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, May 19th, 2000. Okay. Please mute. Somebody is unmuted. Thank you. Today is Thursday, May 19th, 2016, and we are reading from the big book. We are on page 63, the second full paragraph. Today's readers are Amanda R. on the 12 Steps, Naomi B. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Dion R., Alice M., and Deanna B. Uh, The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, May 18th, is 8750. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA who still suffer, to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for you, Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Amanda R. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning. This is Amanda R., recovering compulsive overeater from me. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. 
having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Amanda R. And Naomi B., would you please read the 12 traditions? Thank you, Kathy. Thank you for your service. Good morning, my fellow visionaries. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive overeaters who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain for forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous had no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communications. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. And I pass. Thank you, Naomi B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. When you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 63, paragraph 2, and I will ask Dion R. to get us started. Good morning. <clears throat> Good morning. Hi. This is Dion R., compulsive overeater, recovered today. I'm very happy. Um, we were now at step three. Many of us said to our maker as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou 
wilt, relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last <clears throat> abandon ourselves utterly to him. We found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with an understanding person, such as our wife, our best friend, or spiritual advisor. But it's better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand. The wording was, of course, quite optional, so long as we expressed the idea, voicing it without reservation. This was only a beginning, though if honestly and humbly made, an effect, sometimes a great one, was felt at once. Uh, yes. Hi, I'm, um, as I said, I'm Dion Compulsive over Eden. Just being reading this reminded me when I first took that step, um, uh, I got to get in. I remember a person told me in a, the program, another program, he said, well, make sure this is something, this is serious. And I'm thinking like, you know, I'll just read through them and do what I do and keep it moving, you know, and just get with from y'all what I need and keep keep on going. And anyway, I remember he said, think well, think well. And that part, uh, and I thought about it, uh, it's like I was, he said, it's like taking a pledge and for me, I didn't take it seriously then, but June of 2012, I took it seriously. I, I was ready to do whatever my higher power wanted me to do because I kept trying to do the easier, softer way and get around to from completely abandoning myself to God and my my higher power uh, at that time. And uh, that part that sticks out to me where it says it's better to, to meet God alone one then with one who misunderstand um and i did take it the first time with a spiritual uh with a, a spiritual advisor which was a sponsor at that time and uh, even this in june 2012 nobody was anonymous uh being able to take that uh, start on that road of honesty and surrender and completely abandoning myself and my wills and my um mischievous ways to think I can get around the steps without working steps. And uh, so uh, anyway, when me and my sponsor did it, and we, she was in another town, I'm in another town, we on the phone, and uh, I think it was a few months after that, June, but anyway, I got on my knees, and she did too, and it was very painful to get on my knees, but I did, and uh, anyway, uh, when this is this part down here where it says, uh, an effect. You know, this was only a beginning, though we, if honestly and humbly made an effect, sometimes a very great one was felt at once. I remember feeling like I didn't know if I could get on my knees. I had to have this, I had my knee replacement, all the, all the stuff that comes with compulsive overeating baggage. So uh, anyway, but I did. I took a chance. I got down and she was like in Florida or somewhere. And we, that effect, that effect, long distance, it was there. It was like I couldn't get up. I we both was quiet. To me, it seemed, felt like an hour, but it probably was only a couple minutes, but it was just a silence, something in that silence, and I got that effect, and I was like, wow, I never felt this way before, and then, such a great one. I still get that effect now, but I still remember that, that very first 
effect. And, you know, I was willing and still willing to go anywhere, any less to do what the God of my understanding want me to do and and to be of service. And I never thought I would be happy being of service, doing, be doing service work for someone else. And it and it feels good. I'm not perfect, of course, no one is, but I'm just grateful that I found, uh, finally surrendered to the God of my understanding. And with that, I'll pass, and thank you guys for letting me share. Thank you, Dion R. <clears throat> okay, so we'll be sharing on the second paragraph that Dion read. Uh, who would like to share? Christy M. G. Larry. Okay, Christy M. Was it Sue G. that I heard? No. No, I said Christy M., but it's really Christy G. I just keep forgetting. Oh, Chrissy G. Sorry. Larry Vasa K. O. Kenny Vasa K. O. Kim Who G. Who is after Vasa? Who is after Vasa? Kim G. Kim G. Kenny K. Kenny K. Anyone else? Okay, we'll begin with Christy G. Larry K, Vasa O, Kim G, and Penny K. Please go ahead, Christy G. Thank you. Hi, I'm Christy G, recovered commercial reader and anorexic from New Jersey. And I I really honed in on that it's better to, to bring it to God by yourself than to be with the wrong person. And I have someone that I'm going through the the fourth step helping her, supporting her through it. And there are a lot of negative feelings that come up about ourselves. There is remorse. And, you know, the book warns us about that, not to to fall into remorse about our past, the decisions that we made. Really, you know, it was my job yesterday to help her see how the little girl who she was, who made the decisions that she did, really, it was her survival. It was her way to survive. We survive a lot of a lot of trauma in this life by by being very creative about getting our needs met, and those creative ways turn out to be real big liabilities as we get older. But the thing is to have someone shame us and and someone to not understand, um, you know, whether whether it's someone who didn't grow up the way you did, so they don't understand. I grew up in an alcoholic home, so. It would be really hard for someone who didn't grow up in an alcoholic home to really understand the depth of the the codependency that goes on in those kinds of families and the depth of um, really disowning your own feelings. I mean, it's it, it's very it's very deep and it it it's I think damaging to go to someone who really wouldn't understand. Um, so I think that that's paramount and probably someone who's had similar experiences as your own. That's what I found was most helpful for me. Thank you. Thank you, Christy G. And Larry Kay, please go ahead. Hi, Kathy. Thanks for your service. Good morning. Um, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader. So uh, this was this was only a beginning. Uh, no, no truer statement can be uttered. This was only a beginning. You know, when we make this affirmative declaration in step three, uh, one that I make every day, by the way, um, we, we undergo, you know, the first part of an action. And, and we're endeavoring to start, uh, to commence, to, to embark upon a, pro, you know, a process here. 
you know, it's like when, when I earned my, my, my state license to practice uh, my profession in, in the state of Illinois, th that wasn't the end. I might have thought so. No, that was just the beginning. And, and in many respects, it was an opportunity that gave me sort of the go-ahead, right, to open a door to a new life, provided, of course, that I take specific actions. And the same here. And, and the actions I took last year or last month, last week, even, even the actions I took yesterday, uh, they're not carried over today. I, I don't get extra credit for, for my magnificent performance yesterday, you know. Um, I don't get that credit. And sometimes when I make a beginning, I, I can feel really good, even, even transformed to an extent. You know, look at this incredible stuff that I did yesterday by making a beginning. I, I wonder if it's going to carry over today, tomorrow, next week. You know, for me, it won't. I, I'm restored on a daily basis by, <clears throat> by way of an invitation to, to take God-centered actions today. And that's what we're, we're talking about. Again, we're only in step three, right? We've got to complete the process. There's no one and done here. No, you know, I, I, get, the, I, I get the privilege of choosing to begin each day. And the actions of yesterday don't carry over. So um, wrapping up, I'll say that, uh, you know, with this, this process, it's just the beginning. And for me, I didn't feel uh, some, you know, huge, huge change. Maybe you will. Maybe you have. I didn't. And maybe it was a good thing that I didn't because I just take this, this step each day. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Um... Vasa O, please go ahead. I was muting and unmuting. Thank you, Kathy, for your service. Good morning, everyone. And I am grateful, recovered, compulsive leader, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. Step three, I, I, was, I couldn't get in the meeting yesterday. There was something wrong with my phone. But anyways, I was terrified to surrender um, to God, but I felt I needed to do it because for me it was live or die. I didn't know whether this God was going to strike me down or raise me up. So I was ready and I was willing to do whatever it took. You know, my sponsor said, it's something good. It's, I'm asking to surrender for something good. It's not a bad thing, you know. And uh, I did make the decision. I made sincere, sincere decision and I took that action to humble myself on my knees and surrender to God or my higher power in my bathroom by myself on October 26, 1986. And I did have a big spiritual experience. And I didn't want to talk about the experience because I shied or I was embarrassed to talk about it till I, start, till I heard a few other people in about a year being in recovery, and I said, oh, my God, you know, it sounds like they had the same thing as I did. So I almost, it gave me permission to, to say it out loud. Even though I had experienced it, I was too embarrassed to tell somebody because I said, they'll probably think, probably think I'm crazy. But it doesn't matter. Uh, again, this was only the beginning. I do this, I do this action every morning before I my day. I have done it for years and I still do it. And if I forget sometimes, it hasn't happened that often. And where I am, you know, I do say my prayer because that's how I begin my day. 
I do surrender to God, my higher power, and I ask, ask God for what is his will for me to do for today. And I'm just so grateful. My whole life has just changed. It has been a journey for me. Yes, I think that my spiritual experience that I had that night on my first meeting coming home, that's what has been coming. I've been coming back and back for many decades of my program. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. And Kim G., please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, I love this book. I mean, to me, it's a living, breathing document, and I saw something additional today that I haven't, I've never seen before. So when I'm looking at this sentence, it says the wording was, of course, quite optional, so long as we express the idea of voicing it without reservation. So what is, what is the reservation? What am I doing? What is, what is the purpose of step three? I am acknowledging what life is runs on self-will, and I'm turning towards a higher power. You know, the reservations I often had was, you know, if I, well, if things aren't going my way, I'm not doing this. You know, I, I really treated the steps like a Santa Claus God that, you know, if I'm a good little girl, I'm going to get what I want. And if I'm not a good little girl, I'm going to get coal in my stocking. But what I saw today is his voicing it without reservation. This is where the delusions have to be smashed. And it made me think back in step one on page 33 where it says, if we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. So they're being hit with that concept twice. In step one, no reservation. I can never, ever, ever have those foods again. And here I am in step three being hit with the same concept. If I'm going to make this my way of life, if I'm all in, if I'm going to be doing this deal, I have to have no reservations of any kind that I can do it on my own power. I have to be totally convinced that my life run on self-will, that I'm driven, driven by a hundred forms of fear. And I have to put away that way of life. If I am 98% convinced I'm a compulsive overeater, 2% is going to take me out. So I think back to my experience prior to OA. I always thought, well, if I get to goal weight, my life is going to be perfect. I'm going to open the door and Brad Pitt is going to be there waiting to ask me to marry him. I had that same reservation in 12 steps. I thought if I got to step 12, life was going to be perfect. Everything was going to go my way and I was done with the steps. The, the reservation that I had to smash was this was going to have to be my way of life for the rest of my life. And I had to let go of those old ideas that I had before OA and while in AA. One of the dear AA speakers that I love, he, he often would say, it's not what we don't know that will kill us, but what we know for sure that isn't true that will kill us. So I am, I am now taking that decision and without reservations that my way of thinking has killed me. And I'm without reservation going to turn my thoughts, my actions, and all my old ideas over to a power greater than myself. And I have to make that decision without reservation and understand that one day at a time I'm going to have to live this way if I want to live happy, joyous, and free. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And Penny K., please go ahead. Hi, good morning, everybody. My name is Penny K. I'm a compulsive overeater in Connecticut. And thank you all for doing this service. Um, what I took from this from this particular paragraph was the idea of honesty, 
making it making the beginning, which it is, honestly and humbly. And when I came into OA, I didn't understand that the word humble was not the same thing as humiliation. And it took me a long time to get over that. And my original understanding of humble and humility was that I was somebody that could be taught, that I was open, that I had areas of me that were not closed off. I came into OA, I knew everything. I was angry. Um, I knew it all. I knew what was best. I knew what was right. And I still periodically find myself doing that. And then I go back to step three and yet humbly asked for all of these things. Humble. The word humble comes in a lot in the steps and in my program. Um, for me to, to make step three, to take step three with honesty and humility means that I go to my higher power understanding that I have value in the world and that my higher power is sitting on the bench next to me. I've got some space on my bench, but the vast majority of space is there for my higher power. It acknowledges that I'm teachable. It lets me get out for myself. It lets me let go of all the preconceived things. I, you know, I go to a physician. I go there honestly and with humility. I'm not a, I'm not a physician. And if I'm not honest with my physician, I'm going to wind up in trouble, and it doesn't help. It's the same thing with this step. I am so grateful to be here this morning. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Penny Kay. Who else would like to share on the second paragraph we read? Charles H. Nessa R. Charles H. Nessa R. Who else? Renata. Okay. Renata. Renata G. Sharon H. Sharon H. What page are you on? We are on page 63. Kathy, Uh, did you hear Sally? I did. So I have Charles H., Nessa R., Sally A., Renata G., and Sharon H. Did I miss Sarah W.? Okay, great. Okay, Charles, please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy K. Charles H. A recover compulsive reading just for today. Um, so yeah, humbly, just some more evidence that um, step three, seven, and eleven is closely blood related. Um, that word humble, humbly made, right? Um, and and this was only a beginning. So yesterday I made an analogy on the second meeting when. You know, when I when if if I if I turn the key to the car halfway or even, you know, seventy five percent of the way, um, it's not going to start. Um, but wonderful things um, happen when I turn it. You know, the motor the motor turns over, but uh, this is only a beginning. So if I don't um, press the, the press the the, uh, the gas, I ain't going nowhere. And uh, yeah, right. That that's just a thought for me, right? Like. Even I'm gonna hit you with another vision. Say, 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 say you're somebody that's recovered, um, and you get a bright idea and don't do the third step. Like I, I, I'm gonna get it up off me, man. I, you know, I, I, I had, I had three resentments and I got it up off me. Um, first resentment is that Golden State whipped Oklahoma City last night. Now some of y'all probably don't watch basketball, but I felt some type of way behind that. Like, and I see the connection with the resentments. Right, if I don't turn those resentments over, if I don't start the car 
on those resentments, I'm going to get stalled, right? So I had a resentment. Somebody's unmuted, but if you must be really interested in what I got to say. I ain't that important. Um, so, yeah, um, so I, had, I felt some type of way with that. I mean, you know, these young people love Golden State and they love Stephon Curry, and I felt some type of way behind that. And I see the connection with getting stalled and not moving, and then the kitchen is right around the corner. I see that connection. So that's why, it, you know, i got to put my foot on the gas and move that car. I also had two other resentments with, you know, all of a sudden the weather's getting nice, so my employees are like, you know what, I can't work this ship, I can't work that ship. And I, I, last, I forgot that I was in program. I mean, I let this dude have it like I was in the hood again. Like, I, I was like, who you think you are, what you talking And, you know, and, and I'm not saying it happened instantaneously, but during the day I made a call back and I said, hey, man, you know, I want to make an amends for the way I acted. And, you know, in, and I still got my point across. I said, in the future, if you would give me some time. That's not me. I'm self-willed. Like, I'm selfish. I'm self-seeking and afraid that everybody wants to, uh, you know what I'm saying, like, do what they want to do like I want to do what I want to do. But um, humbly humbly made, right? And I had to be humble. I had to be humble that, yo, man, that, that that's not how people that got some sobriety act. Because it ain't about just being absent. It's about changing my my my, my ways of, of acting. So if I don't change my ways of acting, I'm just I'm just abstinent. Then then the car is on and it ain't moving. But if I if I go through make a decision to continue to go through a program of action, I'm gonna be on that broad highway with all of y'all. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Charles H. Nessa R. Please go ahead. Press star one, Nestor. Hi. Good morning. Sorry, I um I was in the process of unmuting, so I didn't hear you uh, calling me. My name is Nessa R, and I'm recovered in Toronto, Canada. And um, I guess um, Mr. Charles H kind of um, stole my thunder, but I guess uh, great minds think alike. Because I also wanted to talk about uh, um, this is only a beginning. So I I think that. I would hope that by now, somebody who's just starting going through the steps um, is going to understand how important step three is, but it would, they would also understand that it is just a stepping stone to the rest of the work. But what about somebody who's uh, in the middle of step nine or just finished step nine or somebody who's recovered? Like, why, why do I have to take step three? Uh, why is this important? Now, in the big book, um, in page 85, at the end of step 10, it says, it is easy to let up on a spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a foul smoke. Um, you know, and then it further says, what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of a spiritual condition. So this tells me I... I have to take step three every day because every day I need to make a commitment to continue living in the steps. Every day, um, you know, when I originally took step three, I not only made the commitment to go through with steps four through nine, but I also made the commitment to live in steps 10, 11, and 12 every day for the rest of my life. And now that I am recovered, I still have to make that commitment 
and more importantly, I still have to go through with that commitment because otherwise, you know, the specter of, uh, of re- a relapse really um, looms bright in the, in the horizon. And that's what I see happening a lot. People finish the steps, quote unquote, finish the steps, put the book on the shelf, and then they continue doing what they were doing uh, before the whole process started. And then they wonder why they're back in the food again and why they have, you know, the extra 100 pounds um, on again. Um, it's because of this. Every, every day when I start my day in my, in my morning meditation, I recommit to step three. I mean, I, I verbally say I am powerless over food. Only God can restore me to sanity. And I make a commitment to work the rest of the steps throughout my day because things are going to happen. Things are not going to go my way. I'm going to become, you know, restless, irritable, and discontented. And then I have two choices. The choices are go to the food or accept spiritual help. So um, this is very important. No matter where in the process we are recovering, uh, recovered, just starting, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, it always applies. And that's why it says here, it is only a beginning. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. Uh, Sally A., please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you so much for your service to all of us. And good morning, a vision for you. I wanted to just hone in on that sentence um, that has been honed in on, but I think it's worth looking at one more time. The wording was, of course, quite optional. Let me just back up. We found it very desirable to take this spiritual step, step three they're talking about, with an understanding person such as your wife, best friend, or spiritual advisor. But it's better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand. Here's the key that I wanted to speak about. The wording was, of course, quite optional, so long as we express the idea. So we have the freedom to change this prayer and put it in our own words and say it how we want to say it. But they're telling us that it's important that we say it. And they're telling us how we should be saying it and who we should be saying it to. But here's what really gets me, voicing it without reservation. I I have to tell you that by the time I reached step three, and really by the time I finally started doing these steps the way they were intended to be done, not half-heartedly, not picking and choosing and racing to certain steps, as I talked about yesterday, but voicing it without reservation, what it says to me is that when you finally do these steps, they're talking about the desperation, the gift, the gift of desperation. The truth of the matter is, you guys, you will not get well until you recognize that you cannot tolerate life the way it is. That's just the way it was for me. I mean, maybe you're different than me, but for me, I had to reach a point where there was no more halfway, half measures availed me nothing. There was no more halfway in, one foot over the fence, and one foot in the world that I once knew. There was a point of, of reaching the idea, the life that I knew was, I couldn't live it anymore. I knew that I could not tolerate life as it was, that I had to finally say, I need to do something very different. I cannot live with myself. For me, I really reached the bottom. It was like, you know, people have talked about um, trap doors where they reached the bottom, but there were more trap doors. Well, I reached a point where there was just, there was nowhere to go. I had really reached like three or four bottoms. At the bottom of the trap door bottoms, when I reached that, I knew I can't live like this anymore. This is just not living. I'm not even living. I'm dead but not buried. 
That's what I'm trying to say to you. I was dead but not buried. I walked around every day dead but not buried. And so I had to reach a point where I knew I have to do this thing. I have to be all in. And when I reached that point of desperate, desperate to get well once and for all, desperate to no longer live my life, always looking for the next bite, figuring out how I can squeeze in one more bite, figuring out how I could how I could squeeze into those pants, those black, everything was black, my pants, my underwear, my, my socks, everything was black. Ever, I was the, the quintessential um, camouflage expert, but, but it wasn't, nothing was camouflaged. I wasn't camouflaged. I was sick, and everybody knew it, and I knew it too. And so when you reach that point, if you might possibly be like me, when you're all in without reservation, when you're done with life as it was, and you're, well, you're ready to have this new life, a new way of living, a new manner of living, a new design for living, because that's what this is about. These steps are to teach us a new way of living, and there's no turning back. When you reach that bottom, make some phone calls, because there are recovered people right here who are ready to help you, to give you a hand and pull you up off the ledge that you're sick of being on. Thanks for letting me share with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally A. Renata G., please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy, for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Read in New York. Uh, the wording was, of course, quite optional, so long as we express the idea of voicing it without reservation. And you know what this is telling me this morning is, you know, it doesn't matter what I say, right? What was, but, you know, the the important thing is, you know, am I really expressing the idea that now this higher power is in control of my life, right? Because on the third step prayer, you know, it says that, you know, to do with me as thy will. So are my actions going to reflect that, you know, I I gave up, you know, trying to manage and control my life? trying to get what I want whenever I want from whomever I want, you know, am I really defeated, you know, like, you know, in step one with the food now here, you know, to really say, I did not do a good job playing God. So I'm going to let this higher power show me how to live my life, you know, and it says here, this was only a beginning, though if honestly and humbly made an effect, sometimes a very great one was felt at once. And for me, what that is, and still happens today, right? Like whenever I notice myself trying to control something, trying to make a situation go a certain way, and when I stop fighting, when I can go back to that place of, I don't know better. I need God's help. I need a higher power to guide me. I need a higher power to give me the specific directions on what to do then the effect that I feel is peace of mind and serenity. Because, you know, I'm so finite that I know that when I try to control my life, it does not work. And that's what step three is showing me here, that I've proven, you know, to myself, like I have the fact it didn't work. So am I willing to let this higher power show me a new way of living, which, you know, Back then, the flirt, you know, that's all, 
it was presented to me and it was enough, you know, just to go through the steps without questioning, without trying to put my own way into it, twist it or skip one here, skip another one there or have, you know, abstinence or, you know, just completely give myself in to something new, something that I had never tried before, something that was not coming from my sick mind. And so, you know, and whenever I surrender, I know a lot of people don't like that word, but whenever I stop fighting and just follow directions, then there's great peace. And that's the effect, I think, that they're referring to here. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata G. Um, Sharon H., please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy. Uh, This is Sharon H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater by God's Grace in Colorado. And I, too, wanted to share on this was only a beginning, though if honestly and humbly made an effect, sometimes a very good one was felt at once. And uh, I looked up humbly, and it said modestly and honestly, truthfully. And um, I, I start my day every day with this prayer because each day I'm given a new day, and I need to, again, consent that I am turning over my will and my life over to God as I understand him. And I am so grateful that because of this program, after years of struggling and not being able to stay abstinent, um, I am now um, three years with abstinence, and yet God is still working on me one day at a time. I was at uh, the Dollar Tree store yesterday in the parking lot, and this lady came to, I was on my way to an AA meeting too, and she was coming one way, and I was heading out the other way, and she had a big old truck, and I have an SUV. And she wouldn't back up, you know, she wouldn't, and there was sort of a um, little island there that I had to get over, a little curb, so so I backed up and moved over a little bit, thinking that I'd be able to get through then, and um, still went up on the curb a little bit, and she had her window down, and I thought she was going to say, wow, that's really great, you did that, and instead she said, oh, you just couldn't wait a few minutes, could you? And uh, I said, no. And, you know, I realized, again, I could have backed up and let her go through. But it didn't even enter my mind. And here I'm on my way to an AA meeting. So I'm so grateful that I could see that in the moment for what it was. And um, and I was able to say, God, forgive me there. You know, I was trying to be number one, be first, and uh, even try and go over a curb to be that way. And so these are the things that God shows me today about my mind and my heart because my mind is still needing God's guidance and direction on a moment-to-moment basis. Even though I'm absent today, this mindset that he needs to continue to show me what humbly means and what honestly means um, he needs to show me over and over again so that I will get it and um, not do those kind of things. And that was just a trivial incident, you know, but a lot of the trivial incidents are the ones that I see. By God's grace, he shows me my heart, and he's so faithful and he's so kind and he's so full of grace to teach us as we learn this new way of thinking and acting on a daily basis. So I'm so grateful to everybody on the line today. Keep coming back. And uh, with that, I pass. Thanks, Kathy. 
Thank you, Sharon H. And Sarah W., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you for your service. It's good to hear you on the line. My name is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, well, ditto to everything. Um, I was I was thinking um, I also like the idea of um, uh, the wording was, of course, quite optional, so long as we expressed the idea, voicing it without reservation express the idea. What is the idea? The idea, for me, for me, and I want to speak only in the I, is that um, I'm um, jumping from an airplane on a tandem jump, which I've always wanted to do, and that I'm, um, I'm hanging on to my higher power, and that my higher power is going to lead me, or I'm on a tandem bike. Um, the idea of being on a tandem uh, that it's a partnership. And I think the reason why uh, I've struggled when I do is because, as it says on page 88, we alcoholics are undisciplined. You know, for me, I've always been a rebel. I've always been rebellious. And, um, you know, if you said black, I wanted to say white. And, you know, what it also says on page 88 is that um, we let God discipline us in a simple way. And I think for me, um, you know, I'm, I, as people know on the line, and I've, I've shared it um, not for attention but to show that um, we can go through life, life's trials and tribulations abstinently when we do uh, reach for our higher power. You know, um, for me, uh, I have to say the words very slowly. Um, you know, God, you know, I offer myself to you, to build with me, and to do with me as you will, relieve me of the bondage of myself, so that I may better do your will, take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of your power, your love, and your way of life. May I do your will always. So today I go for my surgical consult and I'll find out the day I'm going to have my surgery, I'm going to have a lumpectomy. And um, they'll take some lymph nodes and at that point I'll know uh, where the cancer is. And the thing that I have to say is that, you know, I'm grateful for my cancer because it will allow me another way to help people. It's always happened that way for me. And it's not that I'm not somewhat afraid, but I'm grateful for the life that I have. And I'm grateful to have clarity with the abstinence, and I'm grateful to have all the beautiful people that I have in my life, and I'm grateful to really be able to live the steps as I do, and that I really do try to practice these principles in all my affairs, because that was not who I was 21 years ago. A very, very selfish, self-absorbed, very unhappy woman. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thank you, Sarah W., Hey, is there anyone else who wants to share on this before we move on? This is Janice. M. Janice. M. Judy. Leah. Judy. Leah. M. And Sue G. We'll see um, how far we can get. Janice M., go ahead. 
Well, good morning to you, Kathy Kay. This is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Um, you know, we're all talking about this um, third step as being the beginning. You know, what is the beginning? It's um, it's the beginning. It's a commitment to do the rest of the steps. That's what it is. Commitment to who? to a higher power other than me because I know that I can't do this myself. I cannot get to the aim, to the goal, to to have this obsession removed. You know, and we're all making analogies, and I love them. And, you know, I made a commitment 52 years ago to get married. Um, first First of all, I had to make the decision. Now, I made the decision and the commitment, but I went on it and with blind faith. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know that uh, I, I, I had a positive outlook that, oh, everything's going to be fine and blah, blah, blah. And I had no reservations whatsoever in my head that, well, if I don't like it, you know, I'll just go find somebody else. Um, and, and, you know, it, the analogy for me is, you know, the same thing. It's like, well, you know, if I decide, you know, you know, I didn't have any reservations 52 years ago. Um, and I think that I'm saying that only to say that, um, um, you know, it's, it's, it's doing this work and working this program on blind faith. You know, hopefully, um, you know, I know what he's done for me so far and, and what the program has done up to this point um, because my life run on my self-will didn't work. So I am going to commit myself to a higher power and just hope. That, you know, I, I can't see what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm going to have that little, little bit of trust. Because other people that I've, that's gone before me said this is what they did. This is how they were. This is what happened. And, um, you know, and this is what they got. And I want that. And so I'm just going to trust on blind faith. I'm going to live by faith and not by sight. And uh, with that, I pass. Thanks. Can you call me, Judy S? Kathy, we don't hear you, dear. Hey, I was muted. Go ahead, Judy F, and thank you, Janice M. Thank you, Kathy K, for your service, and good morning, visionaries. This is Judy F, who, uh, compulsive overeater recovered in Massachusetts. And oh, this prayer just means so much to me, and it was so different from um, before I... I uh, came and surrendered to this program and worked the steps because I would have, my rendition would have been uh, take away my difficulties so that I'll be comfortable and happy. (laughs) And it doesn't say that. It says take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. It's all about God. And it's it's starting to transition from a self-centered living that we talked about in the previous um, pages to um, a God-centered living. And um, and then twice it says, you know, it's about doing God's will and how um, build with me and do with me as God will, not as I want or think. And I learned in doing the steps four through nine that I don't know what's best for me, 
that my higher power does. And um, I am just so joyful today. Uh, I found out yesterday that um, after my surgery, the pathology report came back, and I am now cancer-free, no cancer in um, the area where they took out on my leg and none in my lymph nodes. And I am just so joyful and grateful to God, but what I as I share it with people at work and my, my community of friends and uh, family and my OA family is God gets to get the glory. Um, I had a lot of people praying for me and God does want the very best for us. And it, whether the outcome was going to be um, I was going to need to have you know chemo or, or not, but People came together, and it was just so beautiful. Um, and I felt carried through this whole thing, and that I didn't have to go to the food, and that I could go to God and to my fellowship, and to really just rejoice um, and to get closer to people from this experience. Um, which before program, anything that I went through hard, I went to the food, and I separated myself from others. So this prayer just reminds me that it is all about my higher power and that I am in his loving care and to keep leaning in to my higher power and he will lead me to where I need to be. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy F. And Leah, you'll be our last chair today. Thank you. Thanks so much. Well, I mean, a lot has been said. I think, you know, focusing in on this was only a beginning, uh, you know, just makes me think about, you know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. If you always do what you've always done, you always get what you always got. And uh, certainly, you know, sitting around in OA for five years and just kind of uh repeating one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, over and over again did not uh, drive out the obsession of the mind. It did not change me. You cannot solve a spiritual problem uh, with a physical solution like abstinence. Character can't be changed by thought. Character can't be changed by prayer alone. I had to take action. So, you know, the, the promises that we read on the top of page 63, they are conditional on doing the steps. And step three is simply the beginning, the decision to do the steps. <laughs> so, uh, and then we'll read, of course, when we turn the page that even though, you know, step three is a vital and important step and a meaningful step, it's not a step that we spend a lot of time on. It's a step where we reflect on what brought us to our knees. <laughs> the beating I got from compulsive overeating, the broad notion of selfishness and wanting my way regardless of my motives, that's the real issue, and I need to find a higher power, and I need to find that higher power quickly. My job is to unblock the channel between my higher power deep down within me, and I do that through the process of the 12 steps, specifically steps four through nine, because my problems aren't really financial problems, legal problems, health problems, compulsive eating. My problem is selfishness and self-centeredness, and so that's going to need, uh, you know, some some changing, changing from God. So this is this is a contract I'm making. This is not a quick fix. Fix. This is a long-term solution, and I pass. Thanks. 
Thank you, Leah. And uh, Sue G., I'm sorry we have no more time. I hope you'll stay on to share in the second unrecorded hour. Thank you, everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Uh, Deanna B., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank Thank you, Kathy. This is Deanna B. from the Chicago area, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you.